Welcome to the Sermon Podcast of Kusada Baptist Church. We want to be a lighthouse to guide you on your journey through life. So hey guys, how are y'all? It's good. I, I, it's good to be here. I'm excited to be able to preach today uh, with Brother Jim out. And I want you to know that what I'm going to preach to you today is something that I shared with our students about a month ago. We had been walking through the book of 1 Thessalonians, specifically chapter 5. And at the end of chapter 5, Paul starts sending or starts writing these little fragmented advice things. Hey, do this, do this, do this. And I I got to thinking about it, and it was like, if that was modern day, he would be sending little text messages. Hey, don't forget, we're meeting at the goat ranch today to have lunch. Hey, don't forget, you're bringing pasta salad, whatever. And so I I put together a series called One More Thing, and I'm going to be preaching a message from that series to you this morning. But the thing was, as I thought about what to what to preach this morning when brother Jim asked me I was like Lord show me what I need to preach in second Kings and he kept saying preach this preach this and when I started looking back at the message it really in my mind I was like okay God I I see what you're doing because it, it goes perfectly along with the if you believe series so speaking of text messages have you ever received a yeah right text message And yeah, right, text messages, they come in all kinds of varieties, and they come in all different levels of intensity. Sometimes it's the kind of thing where somebody sends you a text message, and you feel like you need a shot of insulin. It's just so sugary sweet. It's just like, it's almost disgusting how sweet it is. I don't know if you have that friend in your life, but if you do, you know that text message. They send stuff from time to time that just seems a little bit too much. Now, they mean it. They're 100% genuine, but you're still a little skeptical because you don't feel that way. The level of optimism that they have doesn't match yours, and you don't see how anybody could possibly be that fired up, that excited about anything. And you consider yourself to be more of a realist. And so you don't want to get sucked into the hype. You don't want to go down this road and, and kind of follow them there because you might end up being disappointed or you might end up getting embarrassed. Now, sometimes that yeah, right text is a little less sugary sweet and more utilitarian. It's this really practical thing. You're going through something and and that person texts you, hey, I've been thinking about your issue. And if you would just do fill in the blank, everything would be perfect. And on some level, you know that that's true. You've, you've watched other people apply that same advice in their life, and you've seen the real results that come from applying that advice, but there's still a piece of you that thinks the advice is only based, and it, it could only be true for them and not you because you're you. That's the thing that's different. They're them, you're you, and while it is part of the solution, the thing they've told you will work for other people, but it doesn't fully apply to you because, well, you're you. So the idea that it's so simple, you're very skeptical of it because if if it worked for everybody, why wouldn't everybody do it? And as you look around at the world, you you don't see everybody doing it. So you're like, well, uh, not me. Then there's the keep your head up text. So my dirty little secret is I'm a professional wrestling fan, like runs in my blood, sorry, Hulk Hogan, all that stuff. Um, But if there was a battle royal of the yeah, right texts, I think this one would win hands down. This is the keep your head up text. You're going through something really difficult. And somebody sends you a text message and says, hey, you got this. You're strong. 
And you read that and you're like, they're, they're sending me something they, they heard in a movie. Or this is something they read on some social media post and, and they just expect you to snap out of it like everything's going to be fine. So we've all probably sent and received that kind of text message. And when you, you receive it, you're like, yeah, right. But what, what happens in your mind and in your heart when you're the one sending it? I think of a lot of us, we really mean it. We really mean it. We're sincerely wanting to let that person know, hey, you're good. You've got this. I believe in you. But when you're on the receiving end of that yeah, right text, what do we actually do when we get it? We don't respond back like, I don't believe that. So what we'll do is we'll, we'll heart the message or we'll like the message. Or some of us will send back, thanks, needed that. But we don't believe it to be true. We, we don't agree with it, but out of some weird sense of obligation, we, we send back what we think is appropriate. When all we want to really say is, are you for real? Are you serious? Are you for real? But we give people what we feel like they need to hear from us, don't we? Because we don't want to upset the apple cart. We don't want too many people to know our issues, know our problems. I think today's passage is a yeah, right kind of message for a lot of believers. So, in three short verses, there's a lot of difficult stuff to deal with. And a lot of believers read this text from Paul, and I think they would outwardly agree with it. I think for a lot of us, we would affirm it. Some of us might even amen it. But in reality, when we read these kind of things, sometimes we go, are you serious? How could this possibly be true? Well, there's a powerful truth about our faith that I want to share with you this morning, and, and this thought really shapes the rest of our discussion. So here it is, really profound stuff. We believe in God the Father. We believe in Jesus Christ. We believe in the Holy Spirit. We believe in the power and the truth of God's Word. We understand that it is the holy, flawless, perfect Word of God. So faith is just that simple, and it's just that difficult. Our faith outlines everything about our lives. And our faith outlines everything that we think could be possible. So let me just read you this text from Paul, and then let's start breaking it apart piece by piece. It's 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning in verse 16. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Okay, so you can just leave that up there for a second. If you're really paying attention, there are several yeah right statements in that passage for a lot of people, believers included. But what you have to understand is Paul is trying to get us to believe in something that we can believe in. He's trying to get us to do something that we can do. So let's take them one at a time and really flesh them out because I think these are things that not only we can do, but these are things that we as believers should do. So the, the first thing that Paul says is always be joyful. Now, you'll notice as we walk through this passage, Paul is using these big words. How long is always? How often is always? Come on, participate. How long is always? How often is always? Always, all the time. So that's a big, that's a big statement. That's a big undertaking. But this statement is built on the perspective that we have about what faith is and what faith isn't. So if you got an outline this morning, here's the first fill in the blank. If you believe our faith is not a chore, if you believe our faith is not a chore, 
So I think too many people, believers included, sometimes look at faith as something to compete with. We look at faith as something to make it through. Oh, there are just so many rules. There are just so many do's and do nots. And how in the world, with all of those parameters, am I supposed to always be joyful? Now, here's what happens, guys, that we don't realize we do. When we check into that mode where we treat our faith like a chore, we're telling the world so much more than we think we are. Because there are people out there who don't have a faith. They, they, don't, they don't believe in God. They don't come to church. They don't, they don't have any of the things that we say that we have, but they've got opinions on faith based on watching us. So faith, or as they might call it, going to church, sometimes because of the example that we give, they go, well, it's supposed to be boring. It's supposed to be monotonous. Um, this is what it is. It's a bunch of miserable people who walk into a room wearing uncomfortable clothing, and they go to this weird building where they participate in these ancient practices. And they're in their car, and they're listening to a podcast, or they're listening to, you know, some kind of modern music on the radio or, their, or from their phone. And then all of a sudden, they go into this building, and they're, they're pretending to like this music that was written over 200 years ago. And then it's time to get to the message, and they, they just feel like they have to sit there and stare blankly ahead, and some people fall asleep while the guy up there talks. And then, after they've served their time, like prisoners, they're released, and they're released back out into the world until they're captured again and have to serve that time next week. But this outlook is based on what your perspective on faith and what it is. Faith isn't a chore. Faith is the most exciting thing imaginable. Think about it. If you're a believer, you have literally been snatched from death into life. You've been given purpose. You've been given a mission. Your whole life has been changed. This is a cause for celebration. This isn't something boring. And I'm sorry, but I just get excited thinking about what God is going to do next. Many of you know, my wife and I were getting ready to go and plant a church in Wetumpka, and we already have this conversation. Well, what's after Village Church? What's God going to do next? Because we know he's, he's not going to leave us there forever. There's always going to be something next. Yes, there is a time and there is a place to be quiet and reverent before a holy God. But listen to this. Jesus set us free for us to be free. For us to be free. And freedom should excite us. It should fire us up. We shouldn't look at our faith as a chore, but rather as the adventure of a lifetime. What is God doing? What is he going to do next? And sometimes we get this question mixed up. What is he going to ask me to do? And we ask that in a fearful way. No, 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 no. What is he going to ask me to do? What am I going to get to do for the kingdom of God? Faith is not boring. Faith is the most exciting thing you will ever surrender to, and he will blow your mind with his goodness. And when you really see that, when you really get that, you cannot, you will not ever walk into this room or any other room that is a place of worship and be bored or complacent. You will have an inexpressible joy. Look at this from 1 Peter. 1 Peter 1.8 says this, you love him even though you have never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him. 
and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. You realize that faith isn't a chore. You realize that faith is an opportunity that God has given us to be a part of something way bigger than us. And it's something that anyone can be a part of. It doesn't matter your skin color. It doesn't matter your, what's in the bank account. It doesn't matter if you come from a broken home, a perfect home. It doesn't matter if you're divorced, single, whatever. It doesn't matter. The Lord can give you this joy, but you got to get it. It's not a chore. So the next thing that Paul says is never. Never stop praying. How long is never? All the time. You can't stop. Never stop. So here's the next thing. If you believe... Our faith is a relationship. Do you know the, the most basic way that you know someone is in a relationship of any kind? You see them talking. Now, our teenagers and our young people, they've invented a whole new category of relationship. It's, I can see somebody talking about, hey, are you guys dating? No, Pat, no. We are just talking. And talking is before dating. I, it's weird. But, but, when I see you talking to them, I just make this assumption that, that you're in a relationship. One of the things that makes faith so exciting and not a chore is that we can talk to God anywhere, anytime. Anywhere, anytime. We can talk to the creator of the universe. You and I can have a conversation with him. And think about this. The one whose voice spoke everything into being. The one who created the moon, the sun, the stars, the planet. Everything. The voice that did that wants to hear your voice. That blows my mind. That's incredible. And you and I can have a conversation with him every single day. See, I talk to him daily. And I know that he hears my voice. I know that he hears me. And through his word and through people and through situation and through the stirring of the Holy Spirit, I hear his voice too. We're in a relationship. He's my heavenly father. He's my savior. He's my Lord. He's my counselor. He's my friend. We talk. We talk. And so over 10 years of ministry, I've counseled a lot of people. I've counseled seven-year-olds up to 70-year-olds. And people come to me all the time and say, Pat, I don't feel close to God. And my first question to them is, well, do you pray? And inevitably, I get one of two answers. The, fir the first one is this, well, well, preacher, well, Pat, uh, not like I should. Not like I should, not as much as I should, um, but, but I do sort of maybe talk to him a couple times. And then the second thing they say is, well, I don't know how. I don't know how to pray. So this text from Paul really addresses how much, and again, it's all the time. So, but I think our frequency of prayer is sometimes dictated by our perceived ability to participate in that conversation. I think the frequency hangs on, well, we feel like we don't know how. So this morning, I want to clear some things up for you really quick about prayer. Prayer is not about your posture. You don't have to have your head bowed. You don't have to have your eyes closed. You don't have to be kneeling by your bedside. It's not about a posture. It's not about a practice. Not about a method. You don't have to make sure you're praying at 6 o'clock at night. You don't have to be facing the east, south, north, west, whatever. You don't have to do any of that. It's not about a place. 
To pray, you do not have to be in a sanctuary. To pray, you do not have to be, you know, at Oasis or D-Now. To pray, you don't have to be at VBS. You don't have to be at any kind of religious event. Let me tell you where you can pray. Passing by the Dollar General. That's where you can pray. So if prayer isn't about posture, it isn't about practice, it isn't about place, what is prayer really about? You see two things. To talk to God, you need to participate, and then you need to be present. Just talk to him. Participate in the conversation. He's waiting to hear from you. And then you need to be present. Don't just say mindless, repetitive things. You know, one time Jesus warned the Pharisees for standing on the street corner just yelling mindless, repetitive phrases. Don't do that. Talk to him. Genuinely have a conversation. If you don't don't take hold of anything else that I tell you this morning, take hold of this. When you pray, it is a genuine conversation conversation with God you're really talking to him and he's really listening and if you'll listen he really talks back to you just tell him what's on your mind tell him what you need tell him what you're scared of tell him how good he is just talk to him he is waiting at any point at any place in any position any posture for you to talk to him So the next thing that Paul says is that we should be thankful in all circumstances. And Paul, again, he loves to use the word all, but that leads me to another question. All? All circumstances. So I'm to be thankful in all circumstances. Something I tell the the youth all the time is uh, words matter. I'm really big on language. I love knowing where words come from. I love knowing the exact definition of words. Uh, But words matter. And so, as we read this passage, sometimes I think we kind of rewrite it as we read it. So, Paul doesn't say, be thankful for all things, which is how I think we rewrite this passage in our minds. Paul encourages us to be thankful in all things, and that's a huge difference. So, here's the next thing. If you believe our faith is light in darkness— See, when you understand that you have a relationship with the Lord, you begin to understand that in the middle of the biggest messes, in the middle of the biggest heartaches, in the middle of our biggest failures, there is still hope, that there is always hope. So I'll give you some examples here. I'm not thankful that I'm being trashed behind my back. I'm not thankful that I've lost friendships. I'm not thankful that I feel betrayed. How about this? I'm not celebrating that my family is dysfunctional. I'm not celebrating that my closest friend, the person I love the deepest, like right now our relationship is really, really strained. I'm not celebrating that. I'm not celebrating that I have abandoned people in my life. Now, we may not be happy about the way we feel in the things happening inside of us. And we may not be happy about the way that we feel about the things that are happening around us. But here's what I want to remind you of. Our faith is bigger than our feelings. Our faith is bigger than our feelings. So the smallest light can still illuminate the darkest room. This, this is a practical thing that you know to be true. This is a spiritual application that you know in a very practical way. If it was the middle of the night and we turned off all the lights on this campus, 
and I got out my phone and I turned on the little flashlight on my phone, you know that as dark and as dank as this room could be, that little flashlight would light the room. You know that. You know that. That darkness cannot overcome the light. Well, this is, this is something that is true in the spiritual realm as well. The Word of God says that the darkness cannot overcome the light. Look at this from John, John 1, 5. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. This is how we can be thankful in all, time, all things and all, at all times. Because we know in our darkest moments, at the rock-bottom place, we know no matter how dark it is, we can find light in Christ. We can find light in that relationship that we have because we talk to him, because it's so fulfilling, because it's not a chore, because we're with him, we know that light is there because dark times will come. Christian, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how long you serve the Lord. This world has darkness. And we're promised that we will face tribulation. And we're, we're promised that we will face trials. But there is light in darkness if you believe. You cannot experience that kind of thing outside of Jesus Christ. I'm just going to tell you, there's a lot of people that try, and they try a lot of different ways, but there's no way to experience that illumination, that respite from the darkness, outside of a relationship with Jesus. There's no way. So our final two points this morning will really come from this last statement that Paul tags on to the end of this message. And he said, For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. So if you believe, you need to understand this. Our faith is the desire of God. Our faith is the desire of God. Let's take it back to our second point for this morning. Our faith is a relationship with God, right? It's a relationship. But let's take that back to its logical starting point. It's a relationship that God wants with you. It's a relationship that he desires with you. Stop and think about it. God actually wants us to know him. He wants us to know him. That's the desire of his heart. He doesn't want to be this distant idea to us. No, he doesn't want to be a distant idea to us. His desire is that we might know him fully, that we might know him in a real way. Just think about how big that is. So, modern day celebrity, maybe not, but think of your favorite celebrity. Think of someone that you look up to. There's somebody you look up to. Maybe they're a business person you've never met. Maybe it is a celebrity. Maybe you look up to John Wayne. I don't know who you look up to, but think of the person that you look up to. And imagine that their greatest desire was that you would want to know them. So look at this in Acts, Acts 17. From one person, God made all nations who live on earth, and he decided when and where every nation would be. God has done all this so that we will look for him and reach out and find him. Now, obviously, God is greater than any person who has ever lived, any person that is living, and any person who will ever live. And his desire is that you would know him. His desire is that you could be filled with all of the things that we've talked about this morning. That inexpressible joy, that you could have that. 
that you could know that you could talk to him at any moment, to know that you have light in the darkest moments. That's his desire for you and for me. God made everything. He gave you your family. He put you in this community. He put you in this church. For some of you, he put you here this morning so that you would know that he wants you to know him. Your faith is his desire. And I know that that sounds too good to be true. That sounds really sugary sweet. That sounds like preacher talk. But I want you to know that it's 100% genuine. But, but some of you are still skeptical. It's, it's just too much. It's too good to be true. But I want to assure you that it, and that it is real and you can believe it. Because I want you to think about this. The Lord needs nothing from us. Nothing. He owns it all. He has all authority. He, if anything, all we are is trouble to him. If anything, all we are is a hassle. There's nothing we could ever, ever give him. So hear me when I say this. He had no other motivation to reveal himself to us except for a relationship with us. There's nothing you could give him. There's nothing I could give him. There's no motivation other than I want a relationship with him. Finally, the other thing I want us to see in this last statement is it isn't about us at all. His desire is not only that we might know him, his desire is that the whole world would know him. So something we can never forget, and I think it's easy to lose sight of, is the Bible is not fragmented little stories and anecdotes. No, the Bible is one message, one cohesive message from cover to cover. And so when I read this, and I read something like, this is God's desire for us, it reminds me of something that Jesus said in Matthew. And this is, some, this is a verse that I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with. Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. It says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So if our, if our faith is real, if we truly believe, our faith is about multiplication. It's about multiplication. Our faith can be the starting point for someone accepting Christ in their own lives. Our faith shining multiplies the kingdom. So something I told the students uh, during this series is only a genuine faith elicits these things. So when you think about all the things we talked about this morning, about always being joyful, about never stopping praying, about being thankful in all things, it, it takes an authentic faith. And only an authentic faith in a real God could compel us to do these things. See, only an authentic faith in a real God can take something that's, yeah, right, and turn it into, yes, that's right. Yes, that's right. So you have joy in all circumstances. You're, you're happy all the time. No, no, I'm not happy all the time, but I do have joy. Yeah, right. No, yes, that's right, I do. So you pray all the time. I see you at work, you're just doing stuff. You're not praying. Yeah, right. No, yes, that's right. I, I talk to God all the time, always. In every little thing, every decision, every big, small, medium decision, I talk to him. Because he does have all authority. Because he is the one. 
So you're telling me when that diagnosis came through, you're telling me when grandma died, you were thankful for that? You're telling me that when he said, I don't love you anymore, I want a divorce, that you were good with that? No, it still hurt. It still was terrible. But I have light in the darkness. See, yes, you're right. You're right. There is light in the darkness. And I don't like it. And I don't want to have to make it through it, but, but I know that I can, and I thank God that I can. I thank God for illuminating the pathway back to sanity, back to normalcy. It's going to be a hard road, but yeah, you're right. You're right. I can. So God really wanted you? Yeah, he did. God wanted you to know him? Yes, you're right. You're right. And he wants to know you. When was the last time you told someone that? When you looked them in the face and said, yeah, God loves you. Jesus died for you. Jesus died for you, and he wants you. He loves you. He loves you. But I've messed up. That's okay. That's okay. But, but you don't know all the things that I've done. It's fine. Hey, listen. He loves you. He loves you. And we've gotten too comfortable behind a keyboard. And we'll say really impactful, bold things from behind a keyboard. But when have you looked in someone's eyes and said, he loves you? And you know it. He loves you. There's a level of intimacy we have to get back, back into. There's a level of relationship we have to have with one another if we ever hope to express this hope. Does that make sense? If we ever hope that they would know, it's going to take more than us being keyboard warriors. It's looking them in the eyes and saying, Jesus loves you. And you, you can have light. You can come out of the pit. But only an authentic faith in a real God can lead people to this point. And when they see us moving that way, when they see us doing those things, I believe with all of my heart that that leads to multiplication. Because people are dying for authenticity. We live in a fake world, don't we? We live in a fake world. And people, people want something real. They want something authentic. And if you're willing to be vulnerable, if you're willing to go, hey, all this is true, and I need you to know, and I don't want you to just read my social media posts, and I don't want you to read just some letter I wrote. I want to sit down with you because I care about you, and I want to tell you, man, that changes everything. That's authentic. That's authentic. The things we care the most about, the things that we believe in the deepest, we will risk for. We will risk for. You have no problem telling me about your children and grandchildren, do you? You would sit me down and you would talk my face off, right? I know you would. I know you would. Would you sit me down and help me understand who Jesus is? Would you sit me down and risk that? See, that, that's the thing. I think when people know that we meet here and they know that we meet in small groups and Wednesday nights and all the things we do, 
and we're not willing to risk telling them what we know, I think they look at us and go, are you serious? Are you serious? So you say that you know the answers. You say that you have the keys to life and death or whatever you Christians believe, but like you won't even talk to me? There's a, there's a real challenge out there. And I want you to, I want you to know something. You know, look, I'm a, I'm a manuscript preacher, which means I have a bunch of notes. I want you to know this, this last two or three minutes, that's, that's all Holy Spirit-led. I didn't plan to say this. I just feel like we need to hear this. We, we need to hear this this morning. Please understand we. Because there are people in my life that I need to sit down and go, hey. And I'm a pastor. Like, it's literally my job. But there's those conversations that I've been avoiding because they're, they're hard. It's hard to look somebody in the face and tell them the truth, isn't it? But that's what we're called to do. And if we're willing to do that, I really believe that people will see Jesus. You know, in Jeremiah uh, 29, 11, people love that verse, and I've talked about it before, but Jeremiah 29, 13 promises that when we seek God and we seek God earnestly, we will find him because he wants to be found, right? He wants to be found. So I think that our dedication to the Lord will cause people to seek. And when they start to seek him, they're going to find him. They're going to find him. He will not hide from them. We read that scripture. He said he, he orchestrated everything so that you might look, reach out, and find him. But then they have to make a decision what to do with him. Just because you find Jesus doesn't mean you follow Jesus. It just doesn't. Some people look at him and go, that sounds good, but not for me. Some people look and say, that's disgusting. I don't want that. So my question to you this morning, in light of all this, have you made that decision? Have you made the decision to follow Jesus? And I don't mean church attendance, and I don't mean small group affiliation. I mean, have you made the decision to follow Jesus? Do you know these things we spoke of this morning to be true in your life? And not because you're an experienced Christian, but because you know Jesus. That's really the question. Everything hinges on that. Do you believe in God the Father? Do you believe in Jesus Christ? Do you believe in the empowerment and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit? Do you believe that God's word is holy, pure, and flawless? And if we do, if we believe, do we act on it? So let me pray for us. And I'll be down front if you want to come talk to me or you want to come pray at the altar or whatever you're being led to do. Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for the opportunity to share your word. God, sometimes your word is... It's comforting. Sometimes your word confronts us. And God, I pray as only you can. This morning, every single heart has been comforted, confronted, whatever needs to happen. For someone this morning, you're confirming these things to be true. They've been on the edge. They believe. They, they're, they're with you. But this morning, God, you're, you're, you're pulling them closer. And you're telling them it's time to go to that next place with me. 
It's time to show the world. It's time to sit that person down face to face and have that discussion. So God, this morning, as we deal with the things that your Holy Spirit has brought to our attention, would you give us boldness to respond? Father, that's what we pray. That's what we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. It is our prayer that it's been helpful in this part of your life journey. We invite you to join us at Kusada Sunday mornings for worship. Visit our website at kusadabaptist.org for directions and more information about our church.